saw. Captain Rex. So, you decided to come to Geonosis after all? Yeah. To rescue you. Is that what's happening? Good to see you alive, my old friend. Greetings, Forceketeers, and welcome to another episode of Ghost Stories, a Rebels podcast. I am your host, Spectre 7. Joining me tonight, as always, are Spectres 8 and 9. Guys, are you ready for this two-parter? Yeah. Yes, we are. And as I said, it is the two-part opening of the mid-season three here, um, Ghosts of Geonosis, bringing us, you know, one of a little fan-favorite character, Saw Gerrera. Some would say the star of Rogue One. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody would say he was the star of Rogue One. But it was cool to have Forrest Whitaker come back and play this character, too. Yeah. Apparently he hasn't changed his armor in all the years that it's but, been since. But he has all his limbs. He does have all of his limbs. You know, both feet are attached to him and he seems to be breathing easily. Although when the detonators were by his feet, I was like, oh, are they going to do it? That's kind of dark. <laughs> but... Are they going to do it? Are they going to do it? <laughs> so the official description for this episode, after the legendary Saw Guerrera and his rebel squad go missing on Geonosis, the ghost crew is sent in to investigate. So the episode starts with our rebel crew, you know, traveling through hyperspace, going on a secret mission. So secret they got it en route to the planet they were heading to. So, And interesting enough that Bail Organa was the one who gave them the mission personally. They even make a big deal about it because, you know, he's still, you know, in the Senate and everything. So it's really dangerous to be making in making these kind of open calls to the rebels. Yeah. Yeah. That opening shot was so beautiful, though. Just the hyperspace tunnel with the ghost traveling through it and kind of, you know, doing that little turn into it. Oh, it was gorgeous. That's the way to come in to the season, you know. I love whenever they do these kind of hyperspace shots like it's so neat to see like the way the colors flash by and everything and Mm -hmm. i like that we're getting it more and more and more in our star wars this was an exciting episode i thought it was pretty cool that the crew didn't know the plan and or at least what the mission was but rex did right it makes it makes them feel like they're still better than everybody. Like they're kind of the special ops team of the Phoenix rebel cell. Like out of everybody in Sato's command, like these are your, like you want a mission done, you get the ghost crew. Right. Right. And that they're such a good enough crew that you can give them the mission literally as they're flying to it with the, and they'll be able to roll with it. Fly by the, the seat of their pants. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Yeah. Now, did you think it was interesting that Rex kind of remembered Saw? Uh, I didn't think it was interesting. I thought it, it, it fit, you know, um, just because, you know, Rex was actually one of the people that trained him in the tactical, um, you know, guerrilla warfare along with Anakin mm-hmm. and uh, Obi-Wan. So to me, it, it fit. Was it a stretch in how they were like war buddies? Uh, maybe, but... I, I thought 
I, I kind of nodded like, okay, yeah, I, I kind of get it. And of no, course, same. Like it was, ahead. it was a little weird that he was treating him like an old war buddy. When, as far as we know, he only ever really did the training on Onderon with Saw. I mean, they were so, attacked at their base, which kind of puts them in that war situation a bit. But it wasn't too much of a stretch, right? Like, I mean, we kind of get it. They were both shot at, and they were both in the trenches together. Mm-hmm. No, but it was cool to kind of see that and for him to know about Stila, his sister, and how that would have affected him. Right, and of course, that I wasn't sure if that actually was going to tie into the whole episode, just bringing up. I just thought initially that they were mentioning his sister as a way to, you know, spruce up his backstory and give him more depth. But of course, that plays into things later on in the episode. I think it's I think it's crazy that uh this is the way we're getting backstory. I mean, we got a little bit uh in Catalyst, uh we got a little bit in Clone Wars. And then I th- I think for the casual moviegoer watching Rogue One, you really don't get a sense of uh, Saw Gerrera or even why he's as crazy as he is. Uh so the people that didn't know about him thought he was over the top. But for like us fans that really looked into it, read the books, mm-hmm. and even watched this episode, it all makes sense why he's crazy. Like that one line he says, "Like you've come here to kill me." Like he's nuts, and you know we're kind of seeing what what kind of led him to be so extreme. And uh, that humanizing moment where the holo- the holocron of um, the hologram of you know his sister Stila. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a touching moment for him, but you can see why he's so aggressive. I mean, to be honest, that what you're talking about goes for some uh, quite a few of the characters within Rogue One. Uh, both Jen, uh, not Jen, but Jen's father and Krennic are way more fleshed out and catalyst to the point where they seem less, they don't have as much depth to a casual viewer who has only seen the movie. But if you've read the book, you can see, you understand their motives a a lot more and you understand their nuances. So while I really, really enjoy the fact that they're allowing the books and the cartoon and the movies and even the comic books all to tie in with themselves, the casual viewer is missing something. And I think at times it can be detrimental if that makes sense. Like, I don't know if the casual viewer is going to be watching Ro- uh, Star Wars Rebels, which I given, I think everybody should be watching Star Wars Rebels if you're a Star Wars fan. But they're going to be missing an important part of Sagrera's story. No, agreed. It, and, and I say this a lot. Like, it, it really it really kills me that there's still a section of the Star Wars fandom that doesn't watch Rebels or Clone Wars because this is still some of the best Star Wars material that we've ever gotten. Yeah. I think the thing that uh, worries fans a bit about, and, you know, I, I think I had this thought as well in season one, is how is this all going to tie in together into canon? Uh, I felt like some moments maybe of Rebels could have been a stretch as well. But I, I think this episode really justified why you should be watching and how it ties into canon. I mean, even going to the planet Geonosis and finding out what happened to the Geonosians. While they didn't really flesh that whole thing out, we at least get a sense of 
uh, it kind of makes sense to us fans um, why they were wiped out. I mean, we I think it was in what Attack of the Clones where they display the hologram of the Death Star. Yeah, mm-hmm. You're, I think it was Attack of the Clones, and you know, Geonosians being the the weapon makers couldn't crack that that last bit. Uh, you know, having the Death Star laser beam uh, figured out, and they needed you know Urso to to kind of come in, but. All this stuff is really starting to mesh together beautifully. And I think I, I kind of plead to Star Wars fans that are, aren't watching Rebels. Just check this out. It, it's starting to tie in beautifully now. Yeah. And that was something specifically that uh, Pablo said over the weekend in on Twitter was that they're playing the long game like they know what they're doing. Uh, someone asked uh, if all of the Geonosians are dead why was there a queen in the Darth Vader comic? Uh, so this was an issue last, uh, sometime last year where Vader goes to Geonosis and there is a Geonosian queen that's still alive and she hooked herself up to the droid factory. So she's making like these cyborg Geonosians because she's trying to keep her race alive. You think it was this egg? That And that's what he's heavily hinting towards. Like that yeah. story came mm-hmm. out last year and this is supposedly the egg that Click Clack, our Geonosian buddy on the planet, is like keeping safe. And that's going to grow up to be this queen. And it tied in. Uh, and it was the first thought I had as well. You know, oh, it has to be that queen. I mean, we never really get a definitive answer, but Pablo over there is well, winking I at mean, us on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, like we can't. Yeah, we, we can't assume that there's a whole lot of other queens running around on. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I you know what was weird to me is the uh, kind of changed the dialect of the Geonosian uh, click clack. <laughs> um, God, what what's the term I would use? It was very synthesizerish sounding. It, yeah, um, and that's something that I've always kind of had a problem with because Geonosians have always they kind of pick and choose what they sound like, um, but they've always kind of had the clicking. So it's not always the same thing we had pago the lesser who's a higher born geonosian he he had a, his own kind of sound um and then there's a famous kind of plot hole where the uh coliseum scene in attack of the clones it's all humans cheering <laughs> which which we know they can't do with their vocal cords so it's it, it's really weird and click clack definitely has his own kind of speech and it, it almost sounds like he's speaking basic at some points and i i don't know like it it was kind of like an ugnotish form like i was i was just getting that ugnot feel from it well i think they also there's something very childish about the way that they were having him speak and the way that it was the way that he was speaking and the way that he was designed and all of this stuff that was going on led the viewer to be much more sympathetic towards him given what was going on. There's something almost pathetic about him and the way that he was talking and the way that he looked, which I think is very different from the Geonosians that we've seen in the movies and the comics. Yeah. Like he was a lot more kid friendly of a design than we've ever seen a Geonosian be. But I think that was the point. Yeah. They almost made him look like a kid himself. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like, it was almost like Ezra's age. It felt like to me because um, the Geonosian that displays the Death Star looks like a grandpa to me. You know, it's just kind of the way. Yeah, they designed that's uh, Poggle, Poggle the Lesser. Yeah, 
And I don't, he didn't have wings. Yeah, or if he, he did, we didn't see them. Yeah. Uh, so I think it was typically the worker class didn't have wings. Like there's there's a whole system uh, and hierarchy for the Geonosians. So you have like your leaders, which are like Paul of the Lesser. You have your queens, which are look like giant like queen bees. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the worker class, which are what Click Clack would have been. Okay. Where they don't have wings and they just kind of work in the factories and you're just your drones essentially. It was uh, nice to to see the planet again and, and and it felt familiar. They did a good job of making it feel familiar, especially when you mm-hmm. see the uh, the cavern, you know, and the bridges across. It, it felt it felt like to me like Star Wars, uh, like we had seen that that place before, and obviously we did, but it felt familiar again. Yeah, and and I did like Rex kind of being our guide in the sense that he's like, oh, God, like, I can't believe I never thought I'd be back here again, which I I I thought was a weird line because I don't remember. I mean, the Battle of Geonosis was like the first time the clones were taken for a test drive by the Republic, but I don't remember Rex ever specifically saying he was at the Battle of Geonosis. It's just always been kind of implied that he was, and I went to his wiki entry and i couldn't find any specifics about him being there so i kind of want to know what it was like for him if that was his first battle what he what he thought of it unless there's a second battle of geonosis which there used to be in the legends universe but i'm not sure if that if they did another one in canon or not anyway but that's a you know (laughs) a rabbit hole that we can go down um i thought the uh little digs at uh, Anakin were hilarious, by the way. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, yes. was, I cracked up so hard when when they did that. So, I mean, it was really cool how Kanan lifted the bridge so that Saw and Rex could walk across. Mm-hmm. And anytime, anytime him and Ezra do a tag team force move, like when he throws when they throw each other, like I always love those moments. But when <laughs> when Kanan just does that force leap. And Saw's just like, I always forget they can do that. And Rex is, yeah, but he's no Skywalker. I heard that. <laughs> I, I didn't hear Kanan react. I was laughing so hard. No, yeah, he's, he he says it in the background. And then there's the other sand part where Sabine. Oh, my God. <laughs> that cracked me up, too. Like, And they didn't even have to make that, line, that, that joke because it kind of came out of nowhere. But it was so funny. Now, I had a question. Okay. Okay. So... I was talking to somebody else about this episode before um, we talked about it after I'd watched it. And then I knew he had seen it before. And he was, he was assuming the click clack when click clack was drawing, he kept drawing in the sand. What, you know, the circle with the death star. Okay. So here's my thing. That's what I initially assumed is that he was drawing the death star and that's, he's, that's what he was trying to explain to them. But when you look at the egg, the egg itself has an abrasion on it that's a circular abrasion. So it looks like a circle with a little circle in the middle of it. We may have different answers. Do you want to go first, Mike? Yeah. Um, I'm 100% it's the Death Star he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Specifically because we know they were working on the Death Star at Geonosis. Because when they go there last season... And there's all of the, you know, old factories and all of the old equipment that's there. And then they make they make a point of it to point it out in this episode that it's all gone now. Right. And 
to me, I, that was very much like confirming that Click Clack, especially because Click Clack's a worker, yeah. that that's what they were, that's what they were doing. Yeah, see, and that was that was my answer as well. I liked that the rebels were wrong. They were close to the answer, but they were wrong. They they are oh, there's a there's an orb. That's what he was talking about. Yeah, when they they thought it was the gas canisters underneath, mm-hmm. which we kind of knew that's what they did. Because again, in the Darth Vader comic, they kind of confirmed that that's how they raised the planet and killed all the Geonosians was by gassing them all. Yeah. And so it was kind of like, oh, I guess that's convenient. There's, you know, the Empire logo's circle and the, you know, these giant circular canisters have the Empire logo on them. But the the thing that gave it away to me was the fact that he was drawing the circle off center. When he's drawing a little bit closer to the top, like the satellite dish. Yeah, no, but see, I agree with that. And I, I completely agree with you that he was drawing the Death Star. But I completely understand why they were thrown off because... That abrasion on the egg was off center too. The only, and the only other reason I don't think it, it was the egg was just because he was um, he was drawing it really every time they were asking what the empire was making. Oh yeah, on. no, yeah. I totally agree with you. But they assumed it was the egg because the egg had a circular it had the circular abrasion off center too. Like it was a really good the the show did a very good job of getting the characters not to understand completely. It was a good week was, and, a, and a good nod to even Rogue One, um, but it just showed how the Rebels were super close, and it was cool to tie in even uh, Sagarera, who's very very extreme about how he approaches things, which later comes on in the episode, um, that he had this feeling that we missed something here, and that was the whole point, and why I took it as that's the Death Star, and, and yeah, mm-hmm. I kind of argue the same thing what Mike was saying. And I felt like the the inner circle was a little more in the corner and not centered, which is the way I took it. Did you think it was the Death Star, though, Lindsay? Yeah. When I first saw him draw it, I thought it was the Death Star. And then I was I started doubting myself when I saw the egg because of the abrasion on the egg that's off. The the abrasion is in the exact same spot as the Death Star's satellite dish. Yeah. It's so they did that on purpose. But. It was too convenient not to be the Death Star, especially with this episode being like the Rogue One episode with Saw Gerrera. So, of course, like that was my assumption that it continued to be what he was drawing was the Death Star. It's just that if I was them and I didn't know anything about it, I would have assumed that the egg was what he was trying to draw to. And that's why he was so insistent that they go down, that he needed to go down to go get it. But I'm very attached to Click Clack at this point. <laughs> I wanted to adopt him. Every time Saw Guerrero went after him, I just wanted to. I wanted him to leave Click Clack alone. By the way, how did you guys think of uh, Forrest Whitaker's performance in this episode? I thought his laugh, his like chuckle, was really creepy. It was, and I oh. felt like they looped. I felt like they looped it a lot for some reason. Like it, it seemed to just kind of play in the background of some shots. Yeah, I think the the one laugh that really stuck out to me was right before um, he actually saw the cavern, you know, and yeah. he kind of laughed and he was like, "Watch your step, Master Jedi." <laughs> it was this weird, just weird, creepy laugh. And do you, so? I guess I guess we have to assume the click clack killed Saw Gerrera's entire team. I mean, if not him, then his droids definitely. 
Yeah. But I mean, Ezra does make make the point that like, hey, we came here with weapons like he's just defending himself. I thought it was a little too quick for Ezra to just kind of be like buddy buddy with him. Mm -hmm. But that's Ezra's thing is like he's, you know, emotive like that and he's empathetic. Well, and also, again, Click Clack just seems so pathetic and weak. Like, despite him having the capability of controlling all of these, you know, droids, there was something just so, again, pathetic about him. Something that was just so broken and needy that it's not a surprise that Ezra tried to help him. And heck, when they got him on the ship, Harrow was very protective of him as well. Yeah. But it was a. It, we kind of needed that, though. We needed mm-hmm. the the three emotions. The one uh, where Ezra is more the understanding, click clack, who's scared, hidden, trying to hide, and using whatever he, resources he can to protect the egg. And then the third one was uh, Saw Gerrera, the extreme, like he was attacking click clack. Uh, I think even in part two, he started kind of using the the handcuffs with the shock. You know, yeah, was that was dark. that was a little that was a little too rough. Yeah, but we kind of needed that to to see, I guess the the, the balance of, of the episode, and really feel even Sagarera's like fall from grace, like where he's mentally, you know, he's his more like just the aggressive. Uh, I get things done. It doesn't matter how I do it. Yeah, and then, of course, Ezra says, well, then that makes you no better than them. It makes you no better than the Empire, which caused him to pause, obviously. Just a sick bird. (laughs) (laughs) He told you. (laughs) All right, so one of my favorite things about the episode uh, coming back into the mid-season was the music. Kevin Kiner did a great job just kind of drawing out emotions in certain scenes. I just it gave me chills on some of the the uh, the moments here, and he just did a great job. I don't know if you guys noticed the music at all, but it was so good. Mm-hmm. You know, I I didn't notice it so much in this episode, but I but I do notice it in others, um, like uh, Flight of the Master when Hera rides the the B wing, and it's a mo- it's a motif based off of the Rocketeer theme. Which I'm a huge fan of. Yeah, yeah, of course you would recognize that. Yeah, you would so, there. <laughs> but yeah, but um, Kevin Kiner always does a great job with the music. And I have to say, um, changing subjects a little bit, it was really nice to see Kanan doing Jedi things and getting out there and doing things with his powers, which we haven't seen. Really, I mean, we've been seeing little bits of it here and there, but this episode we really got to see his powers shine and it wasn't Ezra doing things it was Kanan really putting his abilities out there which was really nice to see and Mike already mentioned it but that that whole bridge scene was just amazing um, and that was one of those moments too where the music kicked in but just the way um, yeah. you know we, we got to see Kanan be Kanan again in that moment and then the big jump and the roll into like the he just made it look like a superhero role and it was, it was yeah. awesome but I'm going to argue and say that uh, I think Sabine stole the show when the the rocket troopers come in when she just oh came yeah out. when oh, she got to God. use her when she got to use her jetpack oh that yeah. was the best I, I that was so good I had to keep myself from yelling out loud like a woohoo because I had my kid on me <laughs> he was asleep <laughs> but that moment oh dude I just 
I rewound it again because it was so awesome. It was yeah, it was so cool. Like because all the guys are fighting and you know they're holding their own, and then all of a sudden Sabine kind of steps out of the ghost like a badass and just goes to town and just really shows how much she's only had this jetpack for what two three episodes mm-hmm. yeah and really just kind of shows that she's become such a pro at it and then on top of that um hera quietly doing what she does best and it was very quiet and i say quiet because there was so much going on and then you know sabine coming out and just really dazzling us with her action but hera uh piloting the ghost down that tunnel was just awesome like I, I i can't even think of another word because it was so like really cool it, to watch it really was and you know she's been taking a lot of um she's been playing point a lot of the times in episodes because she is the leader and she's the the one who has to you know coordinate everybody but i'm just i'm still missing her getting to do things i mean it's great that was a really awesome thing watching her pilot the ship down the the tunnel but the shaft but i want her getting to do things out of the ship like when have we seen her out of the ship in the past few episodes she really isn't anymore and i i'm that's the one thing about this episode is that everybody got to do something outside the ship and Hera just is stuck in the ship again. No, you're right. I mean, we do need, it would be nice to have Hera doing something outside of the ship, but I mean, ultimately that is her role now is that she is, you know, she's the commander. Like she's best served kind of behind the scenes. I don't know if you guys have ever seen uh, the HBO series, um, band of brothers, but there was a uh, character in there. It's not, fictional obviously but um <laughs> captain winners um captain winners was an amazing soldier but when he took more of like a leadership role in the show you actually see less of him but it's because he's making more of the uh he's calling the shots mm-hmm. still very important uh, i feel like like a basketball analogy would be it's not necessarily the person scoring the points but the person drawing out the plays and, and getting that assist to the score is, is really just as important to the person that scores the points. Hera never ceases to amaze me, you know, um, and it's nice to, you know, I know, I know we keep saying we want more story out of her, but we got plenty of her in this as well. You know, she was controlling two teams who were in separate areas and then bringing everybody back together again. And then I know I'm jumping ahead, but the way she attacked that light cruiser coming out of it, uh, with yeah, the, you know, with, calling yeah. The proton with forward guns and proton torpedoes. God, I know they lost the the canisters for gas and and the proof, but just the way she did that and called the shots, they, that that's the person I'd follow into battle for sure. Yeah, that was stuff was really good, and I did really appreciate the way she was trying to protect Click Clack and keep everything under control. Because the way Saw when Saw got on the ship and was like, "Well, I'm you know I'm in control now," blah blah blah, <laughs> and Harris just like, "What? Excuse me? Where? Who do you think you are?" You're not taking the phantom. <laughs> you're, you're, yeah, you're not in control here. You're just a guest, so you need to stop. And Speaking, I, sorry, going back to that in Cruiser, we also got a new Imperial captain. I know who's a lady. Go ladies. Yeah, that's uh, 
So Captain Brunson. Yeah. Again, I am so excited that we're seeing more women in the Imperial, you know, command structure. Because we never saw that in the movies. And we're, they're really taking the time to put that in the TV show because there are already a lot of women. There are a ton of women in the rebel command structure. We have Leia, Mon Mothma, we have Hera, we have pilot, you know, there are pilots, we have Sabine. And it's nice to see that the Imperials have that on their side as well, even if they're bad guys. (laughs) Oh no, it is, it is a breath of fresh air and it's nice to get the, the opposite end of it. You're, you're correct. I, I actually smiled when I saw Captain Brunson on screen. I was like, finally, there's an Imperial officer like flying a, a light cruiser, command of the light cruiser. I, I, I loved it. I'm, I'm there with you, Lindsay. Mm-hmm. I thought she was neat, but my only issue was that we have a very similar character in terms of Governor. She's no, not not Governor Price, because I think Governor Price is, needs to stay on Lothal, but. Um, we have a very similar character in Ray Sloan, who has already been introduced in A New Dawn, so we know she's around during this time. She's, from wh- her physical description in the books and everything, is very similar to what Captain Brunson is. So while I'm not opposed to having more female Imperial officers, I'm just kind of curious why we didn't just use Ray Sloan. No, it would be nice for them to, to drag in uh, Sloan. I, I wonder you if know. they will eventually. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Like it'd be really interesting to see if they ever cross the books over a little bit more. Cause we're, we're getting to that point where like everything is connected. It's just little things like this. Like again, no problem with introducing a new character, but what was wrong with using the one you already had? Uh, because so we need, this. because we need more women and there's not a problem creating nope. another character. I'm, no, like, like, I'm, yeah, like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying not. we can't have a new character and just, she looks exactly like Ray Sloan. But there are lots of guys that look exactly the same. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, I, I know I'm just playing. I'm just making the point that there are lots of, it. yeah, there are lots of white guys that all look the same. Like we can have two women who look slightly the same too. All right. Yeah, I'm just saying. No, no, no. I, and, I, and I get your point. I'm out there for the lady. I'm out there for the women. <laughs> but no, I completely agree. It'd be nice to see her show up somewhere in the cartoon. Because um, we, we're most likely not going to see... We're not going to see her in the movies, obviously. But it would be nice to see her also in the cartoon. I, I personally don't think we're going to see this character again. I think she was a one-off. Yeah, because she didn't even get named in the episode. And that was another yeah. thing. She's a red shirt. Like, <laughs> she's not necessarily a red shirt, but she, because she doesn't, as far as her character listing, she doesn't die. She didn't die, but, but didn't, the ship definitely went down. But yeah. they don't name her, they don't name her in the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, they name her in the credits. So it was just, I, think, I don't know how to feel about her yet. Well, for me, like, I think she was just one of those nameless commanders that we get. She just happened to be a woman this time. And her uh, strategy, is, by the way, was, cool. was interesting. Because uh, yeah. in the beginning, she was just like, ah, it's probably just scavengers. Like, you know, make your reading. Let's get out of here. And then she sends in the, the squadron. And then she goes to cover the tunnel, the shaft. And then <laughs> it's just, it was interesting, her choices. So maybe mm-hmm. she was a one-off. Yeah. Like, it's not, to be honest, like, we get a lot of one-off Imperial people all the time. So it's not 
a huge deal to have a one-off who's just happens to be a woman. I just think it was cool that we had like her hanging around. I mean, I don't think she was overly remarkable. I just liked seeing her. <laughs> Do you think uh poor chopper should have gotten a vote? <laughs> <laughs> I think chopper should have gotten a vote. Chopper should always get a vote. He's he's he has more sense than some of the other characters, depending on the day. Chopper is quietly an important character as well. Um, when they were coming into Geonosis and the sandstorm was hitting, you know, like um, Hera relies on him to to fire off the stabilizers, and mm-hmm. Chopper's done that quite a bit. So I he mean, I'll be honest, <laughs> he should. I would not gonna lie, I would trust his sense over Ezra's Ezra thinks too much with his heart I need a I need a robot brain <laughs> I mean to be fair Ezra has been on his game pretty much this season he has but I'll trust a robot I don't need these bleeding hearts except I want to adopt click clack so I'm contradicting myself so uh, what was the Ugnot too you want to adopt him yeah I'm gonna adopt all the strange aliens <laughs> You're going to have an interesting house. I'm not coming over for your Christmas parties, Lindsay. Well, don't don't the Geonosians smell really bad? <laughs> don't they mention that they don't smell good? So does Zeb. So. Yeah. <laughs> now, we kind of skipped over it, at, uh, but closer to the beginning of the episode, I thought it was really cool when they were doing that walk across the uh, through the sandstorm and across all of the disabled battle droids. Oh, when it uh, let up a little bit. Oh yeah. When they, yeah, yeah, when they found the deflect, when they found the deflector shield and removed the core, like I, that kind of walk through is pretty is pretty tense, and it, it it was really cool because you knew because you've seen these kind of things before, and you kind of knew that like oh like they're probably going to accidentally bump into one, and I kept waiting for it, and it was really kind of refreshing to see that they weren't the ones who set off the droids. It was click clack. Yeah. Yeah, and everybody else that set off the droids. But I, but I loved Sabine's line about when they were walking through the sandstorm, and Hera asks, <laughs> you know, how's it going out there? And she talks about how the the sandstorm's going to strip her paint job. Oh, she's like, priority. So good. <laughs> it was that a good. Sass. It was a good line. <laughs> we need that sass from Sabine all the time. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Hera's reaction too was pretty funny. Not your paint job. Uh, the mission. So. Yeah, it's like priorities, priorities, people. Oh, and then there was a, the line she threw at Zeb as well, where they were, you know, uh, well, this thing is heavy. And he's like, well, you made it through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Good point. Which, why didn't Zeb need? So almost all of them had eye protection on their eyes, but Zeb went out with a, a face mask to cover his mouth and nose, but nothing on his eyes. Yeah, no, I noticed that, too. Like, he... <laughs> And they do that with characters like that, not just here, but like I've seen it in video games. Like one of the things that bugs me about like the Mass Effect games is that you have Liara, who's your space girl. She has, you know, tentacles because that's what her race is. And they don't design headgear for her. They just make her wear a little breath mask whenever they go out into atmosphere that they can't breathe in. So it's Mm -hmm. the same thing here. It's kind of annoying. Though I, I questioned why... Uh, Kanan didn't wear something over his mouth because he kept having to cover his mouth. And I was like, Kanan, get something, <laughs> put something over like, your mouth. Like we had the reverse, like literally yeah. the one guy who doesn't have to worry about his eyes is wearing eye protection. 
I thought it was funny too. He put his arm out in front of his eyes, <laughs> like he was trying to guard it from the sand. Yeah, and he had nothing over his mouth. And I was like, Kanan, you're going to get a mouthful of sand." I know at the end they uh, they mentioned that this this mission was a success. Do you think the rebel crew felt like it wasn't just because they didn't get the canisters to? I don't take think. Down? I don't think they knew. Like, cause, like we said earlier, like they just missed it, and I mm-hmm. I feel like. I feel like that's exactly like they just missed the important stuff. So to them, they think it's an important, like they, their mission was to go in and get saw, which is exactly what they did. Yeah. That's what commander Sato said to them as well. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think what we're kind of setting up here is that saw is going to go back to Geonosis because we know he, we know he knows deep down that he's, that there's still more to look for. And they've been they've kind of hinted before. I can't remember if this was a rumor or if it's been kind of hinted at, but they kind of said that the reason why he has his breathing problems in Rogue One is because of the poison gases he runs into on Geonosis. Right. Which we didn't see affect him in this episode, but it's curious to see if that maybe will come into play later on. If not mm-hmm. now, but later. And the robotic legs, obviously. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if we get that in Rebels. But, but you're right. Cannon does mention the uh, the gas thing and why he has the breathing mask, and even in Rogue One. So, yeah, no, is it confirmed for sure that like Sagarera is going to be m- more in Rebels, or is it was it just for these two episodes? I, you know, I haven't heard yet. So. Because it, it'll be interesting if he is. Uh, yeah. I mean, I because I, there's more to tell with him. Yeah, especially with the separation. Where does the separation happen? Happen right. So he yeah, becomes the band of I, fanatics. Yeah. Which when I saw it again, it's Lindsay, band. It's I know. Band of fanatics. I know it's band of fanatics, but. It's garbled. They don't pronounce it very well. So you easily could have thought it was something else. I'm just saying. I thought they pronounced it succinctly and very clear. Sure you did. (laughs) But you knew what they were saying going in, Mike. But but that's that's my thing. It's like I don't think Mm -hmm. we are done with Saw. Yeah. Which was gonna bring me to my next question. Do you think we could have gotten this same exact story, but with his sister Stila instead. If Saw had died back in the Clone Wars and Stila became the more militant character, do you think that would have been the same story? Do you think it would have been a little bit more interesting to see a female fanatic? I don't think it would have happened. Because um, I, I, I don't think Stila was as even aggressive when they were younger. Or we you know when, when Saw was younger in the Clone Wars, like her... Even then, she was different from from Saw. Saw was the the guy kind of uh, egging on the uh, the kid that was uh, part of the Senate. I forget his name already. It's been years since I watched the Clone Wars. Um, so I, I don't think we would have gotten the same story. I think she would have been hardened if, like, maybe she kind of went down the same path. But I don't mm-hmm. think she would be as extreme as Saw is. Yeah, I don't know. It would have been interesting. It'd be an interesting concept. Because I was when I was talking to people about it, I was thinking like how interesting would that have been to have to have it be her and then i was like oh like who could have played her then and so my 
my two casting picks were like Angela Bassett or Viola Davis. Ooh. Yeah, I would have picked Angela. Like I, I was thinking Angela Bassett as well. Like if we were going to keep that same kind of caliber as Forrest Whitaker, then it, I just wanted to kind of to be one of those two. No, Jada Pinkett, yeah. please. <laughs> no, definitely not Jada Pinkett. Or I don't even remember the name of the actress. I, I don't know the name of the actress, but the girl who plays Michonne in The Walking Dead. I feel like she's not old enough. Yeah, be. I guess she's too 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 young. But yeah, like I was going for like someone old enough to believe that they've been around that long. Yeah, she'd be a good this a she'd be a good Rogue One Saw Gerrera type. I agree. I mean, not Rogue One. Excuse me, Star Wars uh, Rebels. Rebels, yeah. That should have been good in Rogue One too. Yeah. Because remember, she would have played them in both. So it's the same mm-hmm. exact thing, but with a female character. Yeah, but yeah. it would have been a, the age difference. All right, guys. Well, that I think is going to do it for the Ghost of Geonosis discussion. If you think we missed anything, if you guys want to tell us who you think could have been, played Stila in the episode, or if you thought Saw was great and that this was a perfect complement to Rogue One to kind of see where he you know, comes from, let us know. But what we also wanted to talk about was that fantastic mid-season trailer that we got last week that kind of shows us a glimpse of things to come for the rest of the season here mm-hmm. and i call i called sabine's plot arc i called yeah, it so we we're getting a little confirmation that she's gonna be challenging to be the head mandalorian oh <laughs> now, do you think so they'll excited. go back do you think they'll go back to the old ways and have her declared as mandalore or just just kind of the leader that's teen was I don't know if she's going to go for it's going to be interesting to see if she's going to be trying to take over all of Mandalore because obviously they mention it, but she's got steps before she even gets there. She's got to take care of her mother's faction who we see in the trailer. Yes. So she, we her assume mother is her mom. Not, so. Her mother is not Satine, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Confirmed. But, you know, we have and her mom Bo- doesn't seem her mom doesn't seem to be Bo-Katan either. No. And of course, which I think. I was I was kind of hoping for that, but her mom is not that. And we didn't see Bo-Katan in this mid-season trailer either. And we know she's going to be in it at some point. And obviously it's going to be involving the Mandalore. So it's going to be interesting to see how Bo factors into that Mandalore plotline with Sabine. And I love that she has the Darksaber and she's using it and learning how to wield it. And it's watching her fight and practice with it is so awesome. I'm yeah, so excited. I, I like that. Time. I like that we see Kanan teaching her how to fight with it, and, uh, and and then he makes that line about how you need to kind of fight with all of your skills, and then sh- we see her use her her vibro cord, which is really interesting. And I sent yeah. you guys a tweet, uh, you know, talking about the trailer and how I teared up. That was the exact moment where I teared up because it was like just so. Yes, here we go. We're gonna get into it. I'm so excited about and it. I'm going to say, by the way, that uh, the guy who's putting these trailers together needs a pay raise. Because, <laughs> let, I mean, talk, let's talk about it. Like season two's mid-season uh, finale trailer was fantastic as well. And then the way this one broke down and started with uh, Master Kenobi's voice and then how they, they kept adding the warning, 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 and they mixed it in with the music. Yeah, if I could get a, a copy of Warning by DJ Kenobi, 
Like, <laughs> it was a pretty good track. I liked it. Dude, I mean, just the way it broke down and then, uh, Lindsay, you're, you're going to get your dreams and hopes, uh, you know, of what you wanted to see out of Thrawn. We're going to see if Thrawn oh. is going to move now. Uh, I, yeah, Thrawn I, I with, uh, to, without his shirt. I had to, I had to take a moment. I'm so excited about this. <laughs> I sound like such a fangirl and I apologize to all our listeners, <laughs> but watching Thrawn without his, wearing his little, you know, white, white, uh, shirt you know cut off shirt fighting those imperial droids was just was everything i ever wanted and he's such a badass he's so cool and while all of this in the trailer was amazing we have to talk about the end because the end is what made this trailer just yes so much no old kenobi (laughs) yeah yeah so I've been saying it. I, I think we are going to get that old Star Wars legend, Star Wars Tales book where Kenobi go or Maul goes to fight Old Ben on on Tatooine, and Owen accidentally kills him. And I think that's going to be the perfect tragic end to Maul. Yeah, I think I, I, the more and more that we're being shown, the more I think they are going to be using that plot line. I think you're right, Mike. You called it from the beginning. Like I'm, <laughs> I don't want to say uh, that I'm right because I, we don't know for sure yet, but man, yeah. like if that comes to pass, I'll be excited oh, because it means, so that good. means like the seeds have been laid for this way back in clone wars. And I was and talking that's... to uh, Chris McGuffin about even the voice that they're going with uh, for an older Obi-Wan. Uh, it's no longer um, God. What's his name? James uh, Arnold. James Arnold Taylor. Taylor. There we go. I thought it still was. He's just doing an old Ben impression. Now. No, it's not. Uh, they're going with oh. um, Stephen Stanton. Yeah, they're they're what? actually going with Stephen Stanton uh, for the voice of older Kenobi. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's kind of a good thing. I I think you know, um, just because it feels more. Even though Obi Wan is aged really badly, <laughs> but. yeah, that's that's the whole thing. That's the only thing for me that I kind of go. So we have Obi Wan the younger, and then all of a sudden it's Obi Wan old. We don't have like an in between. He's just young old, young old. But they needed it, which is always son. weird. Which is always weird because we see Bail Organa, who we know is older than Obi Wan, right. Yeah. But he doesn't look older. But he doesn't, and he ages the same amount of years that you know Obi Wan does, but looks about twenty years younger still. I, yeah. I'm going to play a little devil, devil's advocate here. Uh, I, I have a friend who kind of decided to grow out his beard recently, and <laughs> uh, you know I'm starting to see the gray. But when he shaves his beard, he looks young. Although right now he's got the shag going. He looks so much older, so I'm, I'm going to defend it a little bit and just be like, you know, he just <laughs> let it go. He, he he let the stubble go. He doesn't use Gillette anymore, and uh, he looks older. Right? <laughs> so I'm going to go with that reasoning here, but it's it's a little <laughs> unbelievable that he's aged that much. Yeah. So I mean, I I get why they're doing it because they want to have that iconic look. But at the same time, like, give him a break. He's already lost so much. Does he need to you lose his youth that quick too? 
It was chilling how they set up that last shot, though, where he's just by the campfire. And mm-hmm. then you hear him say, uh, you're in the wrong place, friend. Yeah, I I also was really excited to see when the trailer dropped that it actually hit. I don't I know that the Facebook news is catered towards whatever your interests are, but it was trending in Facebook news and then the Facebook news little ticker, which I thought was great. Um, and then there was a whole meme that went around where there's I guess some original pictures where President Obama is pointing at some large paintings and someone overlaid obi-wan kenobi on all of them <laughs> and it was going around and it was great it just made so, yeah it's just him smiling and pointing at these pictures and it's giant obi-wan kenobis and it just makes me so excited that other people are just so hyped about this <laughs> there's a little bit of something for everybody in that in that mid-season trailer now, do you think we'll get any other Rogue One connections in the second half of the season? I would. It'd be interesting if we saw K- Krennic, because I feel like we should, because we're never going to see him again, ever. So this is the only chance we have to see Krennic. So it'd be interesting if we got a bit of Krennic, maybe shadowing Tarkin, or if we do get to see the Death Star at some point. We see him there, but I don't. I don't know if we're going to see more than that. Yeah, I really want to see. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we know we're seeing him on Mothma, yeah. right? Oh, she, looks she was so in good. the trailer. She looks so I, good. <laughs> so we know she's coming back. I'd be interested to see if we if we get like Cassian, because mm-hmm. we know he's been in the rebellion for years, and we know he's a fulcrum. So it'd be really interesting to see him mm-hmm. kind of play a bigger part. Right. Or K2. Oh, and even if we saw, like, we we ran into a little Bodhi. I don't know if we'll see Bodhi, but... I mean, just, like, a little nod somewhere where, like, someone was giving a call to, like, a Imperial, you know, ship driver. But I do want to learn... No <laughs> I do want to learn more about the Church of the Force and mm-hmm. the Guardians of the Wills. And I think... That I think Rebels would still be the best place to kind of show that off. Right. Because Rebels is basically the best thing to show the connections between everything. Because they literally, they can do it. So what's stopping them? That's my thing. Uh, We actually got a uh, tweet here from a fan. Uh, So I wanted to see if we can answer the question on the episode here for him. But uh, at DavePool98 says... um, what are your thoughts on the very distinct voice from the holocron in rebels and how it that ties to the end of dark disciple? Okay. Have you read dark disciple Lindsay? No. Okay. Spoiler alert. That is the book where Asajj Ventress dies is killed. Um, I, I like how so, you gave uh, Lindsay a moment to cry a little bit. So yeah, Moving I know. On. I had to, just had to take care <laughs> of her. Um, I knew she was dead, but (laughs) I'm assuming this is because he, because the voice of the Sith holocron is voiced by Nika Futterman, who was Asajj Ventress. Mm -hmm. I personally don't think there's any connection between the two other than them wanting to use Nika Futterman again, which is, which is totally possible because they recycle a lot of the voice actors is, you know, uh, bringing up Stanton again. 
Um, mm-hmm. they, they, they reuse them for, for other characters. So I'm going to go I, with you, Mike. Yeah. I agree with you mainly because I think, I think they probably would have hinted at it a little bit more if, if we were supposed to make a bigger deal of it. I feel like there would have been like a hint besides just, Oh, this is her voice. Like there would have been maybe some ominous music or them mentioning it at some point. I feel like there had been a little bit more nods or something that would have called back to it by this point, but there hasn't been. Yeah. And they're still just referring to her as the presence. And my, again, another reason I don't think it's her is because Ventress had already renounced the, the dark side essentially by that point. Yeah. So she, she had already renounced the dark side. She was never a Sith mm-hmm. to begin with. So it always seemed weird to me that it was Nika Futterman voicing the Holocron. Like other than it being a cool voice, I don't think there's any real connection between Asajj Ventures and her, her being the presence. Yeah. And that would have been my argument as well. I, I think all that played out in the Clone Wars, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like uh, her leaving, the dark side behind and, and kind of going back to her old ways. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, she became a bounty hunter and, and helped, that was uh, the, that yeah. was during the whole Savage oppress thing. Yeah, that's and right. yeah, like yeah. I just, that, that's what I, so I agree with you. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. to me, there's no reason for it to be her. So I don't think it would be, but thanks Dave pool. Now, if anyone else wants to tweet to us other questions, please do. That Twitter handle is at Ghost Stories Pod on Twitter. You can also shoot us a question about what you want to see in the second half of season three. You know, did the trailer show you something that we didn't talk about? You know, let us know because we'd love to talk about it with you. But if you want to talk to us individually, you can hit me up on Twitter at It's The Rocketeer. That's I-T-S The Rocketeer. Spectre 8, where can we find you? You can find me at Betty, and that's B-E-T-T-I-E, Bloodshed, on Instagram and on Twitter, or at SDCC Nerds Attack. And Spectre 9. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at YeahBuddyErnie. We are members of the Random Chatter Podcast Network, so please check out the other show that Ernie and I do here called The Retro Convo, which is what every week is what we're shooting for this year yeah we're going to shoot for every week and uh, with the schedule you created mike it's going to be possible i'm pretty excited (laughs) about it but there's other great shows here the main star wars show echo base there's also random chatter the main show outer rim you can check out all of the tv show podcasts that we have on here on which ghost stories is one but there's also scarlet velocity green justice and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. case files. But there's also going to be, you know, a bunch of new shows that we're going to be debuting here on the Random Chatter Network, you know, 2017. So it's time for a new look and everything. So keep your eyes peeled for that. But until then, guys, we will see you next week for Warheads, the next episode of Star Wars Rebels Season 3. Until then, may the Force be with you.